What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode four of the podcast. In today's episode, we have an amazing conversation with Cardi Sewell. Cardi is the artist behind Art 101, the team that dropped Good Boy Society, Non-Fungible Soups, Mondrian NFT, NFT Zine, Mondrian Soups, Bauhaus Blocks, and Base Vitalik. In total, that's over 25,000 NFTs minted by Cardi and his team. He's currently working on Roadmap 2 of Art 101, where he's designing 3D toilets. That's right, 3D toilets. Go check out their Discord and website to learn more about all the great art being created by Art 101. When Cardi isn't creating art, he's working on creating his artist-focused NFT minting platform, Patron, which will soon be rebranded as Good Mint. And you'll learn more about that in this conversation. And if that isn't enough, he also works at OpenSea, working on all sorts of cool projects. In this episode of the podcast, we spend time talking about the history of the NFT space, prior trends, what's currently working, and where we think Web3 is going next. And of course, we spend time to learn more about the person behind the pixels. Sit back and enjoy as we continue to build the bridge between Web2 and Web3. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. I mean, like, it's just like, I'm, I was, I've just been really stoked to see free mints like kind of popping off mostly because like, you know, like that's like the philosophy we started with. And like, uh, I don't know, it's just cool to see people doing free mints. Cause like, I think that that's the right way to do this. So, yeah, well, Hey, you know, I, you know, I want to officially get this, uh, podcast episode started. So for those of you joining us, uh, this is episode number four of the podcast. Um, so I'm honored to have Cardi Sewell on the show. He is someone that has been been a part of maybe, I don't know, I, I'll self-proclaim it for you, probably one of the most prolific NFT project creators in Web3. Um, as far as I can tell, there's not that many other people that um, are probably at the same level of projects minted where as the lead artist, you know, I think other people have probably been a part of project teams, but so I'm super honored to have Cardi on uh, so he can talk more about all the things he's worked on so far and also um, the projects that are coming down the pipeline. Um, and so, you know, the way I usually start these Cardi is by doing a few icebreakers. So, you know, the first thing I want to ask you is like, as um, it's, I can, I can tell a lot about a person by what they answer with this. So if you had to pick a last meal, what would it be for you? Uh, probably just like a, a really nice steak and a roll, man. <laughs> Keeping it simple and classy. Like a, like a super expensive steak, though. I mean, if it's my last one. That's right. But, you know, like the super expensive steak you could buy in just like a decent roll. <laughs> hey, man, you can't you can't go wrong with that, right? A little bit of yeah, a little bit right? of a yeah. nice medium medium rare steak and or rare even and uh, a nice di- yeah you got if it's really if it's a really nice steak then you go you got to go with that's the right rare, so. that's right it's got to it's like if it's just a regular old crappy steak it's like all right get a <laughs> get a medium well here and then if you had to pick a superpower what would you pick oh easy i'd be the flash man super speed super speed okay okay yeah well i mean and all the things that come along with the flash which is you know, going through multiverses and stuff. I'm a flash fan. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you, 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 you're a, you're not just a novice. You're like an expert level f- a flash fan. Uh, I dig it. I dig it. Oh yeah. I, I guess. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I've read. I read like uh, Flashpoint Paradox and all like the main storylines. Uh, I like the Flash, Barry Allen, and all of them really. Yeah. Well, I'm a. 
uh, it's kind of funny. I, I'm not really a fan of heights, but I think I'd pick flight. It, that'd be a cool superpower to have. Well, I mean, you wouldn't have to be fear of heights if you could just fly true. the second you fell. That's true. Yeah. Honestly, you're no right. No reason to fear it. You're right, because it's not a fear of heights per se. It's a fear of falling. And I think there's a yeah. there's a b- pretty big difference there. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, if, if you can fall, if you fall and you can fly away, you fall off a cliff and you can just fly off once you fall. That's true. You don't need to fear heights. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then the last, the last one, uh, just to break the ice, is if you had to lose one of your five senses, what would you lose? Hmm. That's a good, probably smell just because it'd be the easiest one to lose. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. I just like, I could see smell like, you know, like hearing or, I mean, like if I had to choose between sight and hearing, I'd probably choose sight. But you know, when it comes down to like touch, hearing all those smell, probably, probably the least you like, you know, directly immediately useful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's probably the right answer. Uh, although there's a lot of research about how people that can't smell have a lot more like mental wellness issues and who knows what the reasoning behind all that Whoa, is. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. So, I didn't know but that. you know, I'm, I'm going to assume that if you lost any of your senses, it would have ripple effects on all aspects of your life, but always curious. Yeah. To see what I would say. have to imagine. Yeah. I had a, I had a pretty strong feeling you wouldn't say sight just because of the art side, you know? Yeah. I would I mean, like, I'd give them all away before yeah, I lost my sight. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Cool. Well, you know, Cardi, the way I like to start these after doing some icebreakers is just kind of giving you the floor to talk more about um, yourself. You know, uh, part of the reason why we started this is because we felt that there's just way too much uh, anonymous um, cloak and cloak and shadows in Web3. And while I'm not looking to dox anybody with what they look like or where they live, I am trying to dox people in the sense of like who they are as a person. Uh, and so, you know, we'd we'll love to just kind of um, let you describe um, a little bit more about, you know, how you got into the world of NFTs and Web3 in the first place. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've kind of like, uh, so I've kind of like, you know, NFTs, like what I like about NFTs or the crypto space is because like, uh, mostly like I started off like, you know, like your internet life back in like, you know, the way back when before like Reddit and all that stuff, like there was like this whole scene of mod people doing half-life stuff. And I was involved with like a, there's a mod called Red Orchestra. And like, I was involved with like something called uh, the Specialists and a couple other mods. And like, uh, you know, you'd all hang out on IRC and you'd work on a project together. And sometimes you get it done. Sometimes everybody would break off. And then like, most of the time they break, broke off. But like, I was a part of two that like actually finished. <laughs> and then like, uh, I was just like an environmental asset modeler. Uh, you know, the person that like made the fire hydrant, like when you're running through the model, that, the environment kind of per thing, like, you know, the tables and the candles and stuff that go inside the map. And, uh, you know, I, I started doing, like, I did that for a while. And like when I was a teenager, kind of what I was doing, like art stuff. And then I worked as a contractor for like different games, like Forza 3 and Microsoft Site Flight Simulator while I was doing, uh, philosophy degree at san jose state and then after that i kind of just like uh i got to a point like near the end of like my philosophy degree and like where i was working for different like i was working as a contract for different companies that like uh i started just like making traditional art because like there was like this point at which like you know you spend i always say like you'd spend like you know 50 hours making something that like you know because you got to do uv maps occlusion maps specular maps like all these then you got to compile it into the game environment and like all this extra stuff, especially back then it was a lot more complicated than it is today where like they've made a lot more tools to like make it easier. 
And I would spend so much time making this stuff. And then, you know, I'd show it to people like super proud and they'd just be like, well, it's, it's just like a, it's just a fire hydrant, you know, it's just a, it's just a fire hydrant. So like, I, I kind of like got into making like actual art more so like around that time because like, uh, you know, it's, you couldn't hold it. Like, you know, like you could spend all this time on something digital and like, there was no way to like, it wasn't tangible. There was no way to like grab it or like maintain ownership over it. And so I started doing traditional art. I showed in like Brooklyn and like San Francisco and LA and just like random galleries and just sold what I made on the internet. Basically, I just had the Tumblr. My Tumblr got pretty popular. Like it got to like 100,000 followers ish. And I used to just post stuff and then people would buy it. And I did that for a while. And then, uh, basically at one point, some guy from Facebook who had been buying my artwork quite a bit asked me to do some branding. So I did some branding and then all of a sudden, like I had a bunch of people ask me to do branding and then it kind of led to like front end design, which kind of taught me how to like bulk edit lots of like SVG files and things like that. And then, you know, around 2019, Rarible came out and I started posting my art on Rarible, just like art that I was, you know, like, you know, like uh, I did like a David Bowie, like you know, just art that I had painted and I just minted them as NFTs and they started selling a little bit. And then basically the board apes dropped and like at the time i was working for a company called shells uh you know and like i had worked for like private internet access as a front-end designer and then basically when i saw the board apes drop and like you know nfts kind of starting to take off i kind of just like quit everything i was doing and then kind of like just lived on a credit card for a while while i made some nfts and then we, we minted the good boy society and then we minted the non-fungible soup and non-fungible soup like really took off is like a early free nft that did like a ton of volume uh for like the time especially and ever since then i've kind of just been doing free stuff and my free stuff kind of got noticed by like people at OpenSea, and now i work for OpenSea as like just uh kind of like just a you know uh i just move around and do a lot of stuff for OpenSea all the time now so that's kind of like where a lot of my time has been recently but yeah like uh I guess in terms of prolific, we've done like, I think we've minted like something like 25,000 pieces of art for free. So, I mean, like, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, and I made them all, uh, like, you know, and then Lance, uh, like, uh, uh, my buddy is a menace. Like, he, uh, he like, you know, does all the development and stuff. And like, we kind of work in tandem. Like I create the art and the metadata, make the website, and then he connects the website over the contract. And it's just kind of like, and we've done it like a lot now. So we have like a little whole system, but you know, like it's, uh, and then we've made some B apps and like some other tools and things like that. And so that's pretty much, we've just been doing pretty much everything NFT lately. You know, we're old school crypto people. We all met like in the Monero community. And then we created a coin called Wow Nero. Like that's kind of what I was talking about. Like, you know, like back in the IRC days, like you make half life mods and crypto was like the extension of that later on, like in 2015 forward. It was like you meet some people on the internet in IRC or whatever on Freenode. And then you'd kind of like, hey, I have an idea. And then a bunch of buddies would start working on it together. And then all of a sudden you got a project. And me and the guys that started Art 101, we all created a cryptocurrency called Wow Nero, which is like still kind of a popular cryptocurrency. It's a fork of Monero. And it's been, it's been around since 2018. It's still being developed. Uh, we don't really do as much as we used to on it, but... Like the community kind of took it over. Like it was always a community project. Nobody ever owned it. But it's just like now we have like, there's just like a big community of developers all working on it all the time. So that's kind of cool. And I mean, that's kind of the the whole goal of Web3, right? Is to create community to become self-sustaining 
and you know uh not necessarily need one group or person to keep it moving forward so uh you know you y'all are ogs in a lot of ways on that front of community building um so you know you kind of mentioned 2018 uh how far back does your crypto journey start oh i think uh the first time i kind of I, you know, I always have to preface it with saying that, like, I never got rich just because, like, I spent it or wasted it or gambled it or did some stupid trading. But, uh, you know, it did, like, you know, keep me afloat for a while. I, I bought Bitcoin for the first time in, like, 2012 for, like, 50 bucks at a cash checking place for a service called Liberty X, which is, like, an old school service. They used to give you, like, a receipt. You go to their website and type in the, <laughs> the key and it would send you Bitcoin, you know, so ultimate trust I've been in it for a while. Ultimate trust. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've been doing it for a while. Like, you know, like I've been using Bitcoin regularly for probably, I mean, not Bitcoin. I've been using crypto regularly, like, you know, actually sending it on a regular basis, moving it around for probably the better part of a decade now. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of mentioned the 25,000 uh, artworks that have been minted um, at the hands of you and the technology build out of menace right um tell yeah. tell tell people more about what version two's you know goal is as you guys have finished out roadmap one what is the what is the hope for roadmap two well right now we're doing the toilets which are the our basically it's a marcel duchamp's the fountain made in like 19 i think 1916 i think is the year but i forgot on fan uh but yeah, R101 just started as like, I guess really like at the beginning, it, like, you know, say in June when, when NFTs like really started kind of when the generative aspect of NFTs started causing legitimate adoption, because before that it was just a couple individual artists who completely owned the scene and the generative drops like that Board Ape did and like kind of kicked off with, they like kind of reset how everything worked in the NFT scene. And it also like reset the values people were paying for them. And like, I don't know, there was a point where like, you know, when you see a bunch of people, like, you know, I had friends who were buying NFTs like online that I knew from the crypto scene. And, you know, we saw a bunch of, or at least I saw a bunch of people that were buying artwork for the first time. They're spending like $5,000 on a piece of art, quote unquote. And they'd never bought an actual painting. Like they didn't, own, they don't own, like, you know, they are people who never had owned art before. And Art 101 kind of started as like a, it was freedom in, and it was like, hey, like, let's teach some art history because, like, you know, there's this burgeoning art scene, and it's like, it actually has lots of traditional parallels, but like, nobody seems to be discussing it. Also, like, generally speaking, like, you know, taste is built from, you know, lots of exposure and like knowing where things come from philosophically. And like, that's how non fungible soup started, was because like, people were kind of arguing that, like, oh, you know, this isn't art because, like, you know, it's mechanically made. Like, you know, the way you create, like, code to generate the art. And, like, I felt like it was very akin to what Warhol did with silkscreens because previous to Warhol, nobody had ever used a silkscreen to make a piece of art. And actually, silkscreens were considered, like, an industrial process. So it was, like, an anathema to the idea of making art. And, like, you know, he did it and kind of changed the game. And there were a lot of people saying, like, how can it be art? He didn't paint that. And, like, that was kind of, like, you know, I felt like that was the direct parallel to what was going on at the NFT scene at the time. And so, like, it kind of was birthed out of that. And then, you know, Mondrian NFT, which was the next one, was, like, kind of discussing how, like, you know, an art, like, a body of work that is 10,000, like, the Bored Apes, it, it creates, like, a visual language. So, like, you see a Bored Ape, you know it's a Bored Ape. 
And like that's what like Mondrian is probably like the best example of that in like art history is like when you see a Mondrian, you know it's Mondrian. And so like, you know, the Mondrian was kind of like, you know, delving into like the idea of like creating a visual language when creating like a generative collection, because like that's kind of what you do. And then the Bauhaus thing was kind of like, you know, more experimental, trying to like uh try and go go somewhere other than cartoon characters with sunglasses. Uh, <laughs> and like generally speaking, like a lot of the generative nature of, uh, you know, like art generative art generation probably was birthed more out of the Bauhaus movement because like the very simplistic abstract shapes allowed for that. So it was kind of like, you know, like each, each website has like a write up for its reasons. And, and we like did some mix and mashes. Like we did some mashups with like the soups and the Mondrians. And then we did an NFT zine right now. Like we're just, uh, I'm doing 3D toilets, which are like AR 3D toilets, <laughs> like the Duchamp one. I, I don't know. We kind of felt like, you know, we kind of been breaking away from the PFP stuff. And like we, you know, even though it doesn't get as much attention when it's like not something that was like immediately relatable characters, because I think that's like what the PFPs are. They're like immediately relatable characters, like kind of like how, a, you know, like kind of how like a Beatles song is catchy. Mm -hmm. They're catchy images. Mm -hmm. And like, so they're more, people are more quickly to jump on board with them. And, like, you know, I, I don't have any problem with that. I'm a big pop art fan. But, like, uh, at the same time, it's just, like, we're doing something free. And, like, we don't have the kind of ropes attached to us like kind of other projects do. You know, when, you know, like, if you buy, like, a $10,000, you know, you meant, you meant something for 500 bucks, or you buy a really expensive NFT. Like, there's promises associated with those NFTs. And, like, we kind of wanted to stay away from that. We wanted to be able to like do what we wanted and experiment and like, you know, you really can't say anything in the end of the day when it's minted for free, you know? So, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's like the, it's like the purest form of what art is for an artist, right? You, you create the art because you love to create and you want people to enjoy it. And when you make it a free mint outside of the cost of gas, it allows for, um, you to not have any strings attached, which is still funny because obviously, living in the discord community of art 101 you still see people come in and try to complain and make and make a case for why they feel like they aren't getting the full value that they expected out of it when when i mean you know, you know everybody has different expectations you yeah know, so but it's just like yeah we also like i don't know i, I think that like you know me and menace like is a menace like we always we kind of feel like the way the scene is set up is kind of backwards like like, you know, like, like, uh, you know, when a big project mints, like it makes all the money before, like, like, I like to say, like, people are asking me about like, you know, starting an NFT project. I always say that like, when you mint out, that's when like the actual work starts. Yeah. And like, sadly, the situation for the last nine months have been when the actual work starts, the team's been paid. Yeah. And so like, it kind of like sets up a, a, just like a situation where like, you know, like one force just got abandoned. And like, that's been happening more and more. And I think that like, when you do something free, you're letting the market decide whether or not it's valuable. And like, especially if you're an NFT project, that's like trying to get traction is like, you know, after you mint is when like, you really need to build the traction and like get the images out there and try and have people like, you know, use their PFPs and like, because it's all, it's kind of like pop art, you know, like, like you, you like the like it's cultural relevance is, you know, directly related to how much it's being used or seen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like there's no, when, when like you mint out, you make $2 million, you have no reason to keep pushing for it to be seen. You just made the money. Yeah. You know, 
Whereas like, and, and I feel like, you know, I feel like like the goblin people and like those new night, the pixel nights, like, you know, like I feel like that was, uh, they, they like, I was really happy to see that other people thought that too. Like if we're going to make something cool, but we're going to make something cool by like building it from the ground up and we'll get paid when we build it. Not when we just like, you know, we won't get like, we're not going to take the payment up front and like make a bunch of promises. We're going to make a bunch of promises with a free NFT. And as things get built, that's when we'll get paid to do the things we want. You know, it incentivizes them to keep working. Yeah, absolutely. Ultimately, I think it's the purest form of confidence in your ability to deliver, right? To yeah. to put your name and your credibility on the line and say, okay, if it's supply and demand, in my opinion, if what you put out in supply isn't in demand, then I guess you already know what the market wants from you, right? So why bother? But if you put something out there for free, and the market demands more and more of you, then I guess it dictates that, okay, there's something here. So let's put more time and energy into it. I, I, yeah. I, I, I agree full wholeheartedly on that front. It's one of the reasons why I became, uh, you know, such a, a integral part of the community. Um, when I first fell in love with the soups and then obviously the Mondrian and, and the Bauhaus. And at, at this point, my nft collection i'd say a good third to half of my my mints are your free mints because a i want to help support by minting and and holding on to them i don't i don't ever really sell anything anyway and b uh, <laughs> i'm just a fan of the way that you all have been operating in this space without most integrity even you know i remember when you guys were talking about the the based vitalic drop and how he just didn't sit right with y'all that you're you're charging people for him and decided to then refund people uh, and make it a free mint true to form with the other projects. And, you know, there's there's no incentive for you to do that. But to your point, you also didn't want to have any false expectations or or promises that you might not have made, but people felt that they were deserved um, hanging over you. And and at the end of the day, you guys are still building, you're still creating art and you're still moving forward. And so, you know, it's more about what you're actually doing than what you're saying. And your actions have spoken pretty loud and clear that uh, you, you're, you're one of the few groups that are in this space that are, um, you know, in it for the long haul, not just like, as you put it, the quick mint and dash, right? Yeah. And like, you know, um, like the base Vitalik in particular, it was more like, because like, you know, I would say that our mentality is very much like priority number one for us is just like we're just trying to mint stuff out because like that's how, you know, like if it's not minted out, there's no point in doing it to us. Mm -hmm. Like first of all, because like in, like you know when there's open supply on a contract, there's no value in the NFT. And then you know it was more that like basically we felt like if we wanted to be used car salesmen and like you know make promises and continue to push it, we could have minted it out. And we just didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. We were just like, you know what? Like, let's return everybody's money and just make it free. And like, I don't want to be a used car salesman and try and like, you know, there are projects who have done a great job of like, you know, minting out over the course of like a month or two months or three months. And like, you know, Apocalypse was a great example of that. Uh, Crypto Coven was a great example of that. And it's just like, we didn't really, we didn't really feel like doing that. Also, like, we didn't want anybody like holding our bags. Like, you know, like we yeah. didn't really have any interest in anybody feeling like, Art 101 was the reason they lost some ETH. Like, we, we didn't really have any interest in that, sure. generally speaking. So, we just, like, we're like, you know what, screw it. All the other ones were free. Like, and also, like, you know, making it free guarantees it'll mint out in a second. And the second we flipped it to free, it minted out in, like, 30 seconds, you know. So, 
it, we, like at the end it was worth it i think the basic talent is like one of those ones that like probably should have gotten more love but it was released in like the worst possible time yeah you know uh, <laughs> like the biggest mints ever were released like during that like specific window that we minted Base Metallic, there was Wonder Pals, Star Sketch, Catchers, like people who were spending like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 grand on advertising. And we were just like, just doing our thing, doing it for free. Not really like, you know, pushing anything, just like, you know, posting previews on Twitter. Yeah. You know, I think it's crazy in this space how much um, timing plays an impact in the potential success or failure um, of a project in terms of just catching the heart's and minds of the the audience right because it's still a pretty small subset of people that are doing a lot of the the pushing of uh you know the 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 mints and so if you're if you're not in the forefront then it, it can really throw a, a wrench in that whole process but well, interestingly enough i actually think that like uh you know the base metallic did like 10 ethan volume which isn't that much especially compared to like the previous mints we had done but what's interesting is i think if we did it if we did it tonight it would probably do like you know 100 ethan volume because like freemans are the new thing you know and it was like we were doing it when when the when like basically the the allow list uh meta had like been completely instituted where you couldn't even mint anything unless you're on allow lists and like the biggest projects minted at that time it was just like exactly it's just bad timing i feel like if we released it today it would probably get a lot more attention because like people are starved for original content like people are tired of paying like one ETH for a mint. So it's just like, you know, timing is pretty much everything. And like some of them had great timing. Some of them didn't have the best timing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch how the meta shifts from one direction to the other. Obviously like, you know, we look at, we talk about other industries and how the pendulum swings far to, to one side and then back to the other, obviously the, the huge cost, super specialized whitelist approach, was the meta at one point and now it's switched over to this um you know freedom mint being the all the rage and so you know what what whatever it is in a month or two from now who who the heck knows but it's just fascinating to watch how this well, all I think plays the game out it's almost completely changing right like i don't know have you been if you've been listening to spaces like i forgot what the name of it it's like waggy or something but like basically that that pixel night one and like the goblins like the goblins went on a twitter space and they just acted like goblins the whole time. It's actually like there's like this weird intersection now where these NFT projects are almost becoming like a form of performance art. <laughs> and like that's how like they're becoming like like the Knights guys on the, on the Twitter space. They only spoke in like 1500s English for like a really long time. They were speaking like, you know, old Knights like in a movie and like they wouldn't break character. And same thing with the Goblin Town guys. Like those guys were on like several uh, NFT shows. And, like, they literally would not break character. They didn't even laugh at themselves. I was actually, like, kind of surprised that they couldn't even laugh at the funny stuff they were doing. And they were just, like, they are just acting like goblins. Like, literally the whole time, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was, like, literally all they do. And, like, they'd make fun of people. And, and like, that was kind of, like, the goblin town, I feel like, was probably, or the goblin, what the fuck, people. Like, they were probably, like, kind of, like, the beginning of a reset. And there's been, like, lots of other interesting things. Like, there was that meta where, like, for a week, there was ETH pro Soul projects minting on ETH and ETH projects minting on Soul. Like, that was hilarious. And, like, not okay bears. Like, I thought that was so much fun. And, like, you know, though they were free mints and they were mints with, like, 0% royalty, too, which was, like, even cooler. Like, I don't know. There's, like, I think that we're slowly breaking out of the, the, 
kind of insider's game, mostly because like probably the projects that are going to perform the best are going to realize that they need new people because like there's only so long before it all falls apart when like, you know, it's just like a small group of insiders playing musical chairs. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, hey, so tell me if you're up for, up for it, and I guess I don't know where you are on this, but uh, tell me more about where what the status of Patron is. Uh, right now, like, I would say, like, you know, Patron is, like, something we're going to continue doing. We kind of, like, launched it. Uh, basically, we kind of realized that it's something that we're going to need to, like, actually advertise. Uh, we try to, like, do a bootstrap. And I would say that, like, if there's one deficit that Art 101 has as a group is, like, you know, we're really good at, like, developing stuff. We're not so good at, like, showing it. <laughs> so we didn't really do the best job of showing uh, Patron. And, like, we basically, we've been slowly working on like a new user interface and rebranding it as Goodman's and like we're gonna rebrand it and like move it onto a different thing like basically keep probably keep the contract in place and everything that was still there but we're just gonna give it like a facelift rebrand it to something because patron we had a lot of people complain about the name uh that were like interested in like working with us so we're gonna rebrand it to Goodman and uh kind of like re-release it and maybe start paying for some kind of marketing to try and get people to use it we're also probably going to switch it to maybe Optimism or Matic so it's cheaper and more, like, efficient. Because I feel like the problem we had, especially back then when we released it in, like, November of 2021, was uh, gas rates were, like, way higher than they had ever been. So, like, if you wanted to donate that simple 40 or 50 or 20 or bucks to an artist to, like, possibly get an NFT out of it, you had to pay, like, $10 just to make the transaction. It just, like, wasn't economically feasible. So... We're, like, trying to adjust and make it, like, more economically feasible, and we're kind of, like, looking at Optimism and Matic at, the, at, the, at this point to, like, try and switch it to a chain that's, like, simple, cheap, and, like, just makes it so people can just donate to artists, like, not, not trying to make it investable art, just, like, make it, like, you know, people supporting content and, like, not people who are trying to, like, mint an NFT that might be worth yeah. more kind of thing. Well, so not everyone that's listening is going to know exactly what we're talking about. So may, do you have like a concise way to articulate what it is that you're creating with this platform? Yeah, uh, basically, uh, Patron is like an NFT D app like Tumblr, where essentially you like content for ETH or hopefully in the future some other currency. And Essentially, when the goal is re an artist sets a goal when they post content and everybody makes micro donations with likes and when that content reaches its goal with likes, then it is minted as an NFT and distributed to everybody who participated. Yeah. So it's like it's basically like a mint machine. It's like a content mint machine. It allows artists to like with no upfront costs to just throw something out there and see if people like it and mint it as an NFT as a result. And the part that I love about it is the fact that you know, as Web3 moves further into the mainstream, it's going to be such a great platform in theory. Uh, obviously, you guys still need to um, build up the hype and all that stuff. It has a great opportunity to become a platform for unknown artists to get seen faster. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of like why we built it was because, you know, we, we had kind of been playing with the idea. And then basically when the Board Apes launched and all these other projects, the generative projects started launching, they completely killed off the individual artist scene in the, the NFT space, which had been pretty vibrant leading up to that point. Because like, you know, people like me would just mint art on Rarible and sometimes it would sell. So there was a lot of artists just like posting their content just like as they made it for fun. And like maybe it would sell. 
then the board apes came out and like they started shooting up in value and then it became an investment game you know and like we kind of felt like you know like doing what we were doing or trying to work on that d app was kind of like a way of bringing relevancy back to the individual artist a little bit more because like you know if you go on OpenSea and you mint it and create your own NFT on the OpenSea storefront, like your likelihood of actually selling is very low. And like when you sell an NFT, you have to find one buyer, which finding one buyer is a lot harder than finding like 20 people who might throw you a quarter or a dollar or 50, you know, 50 bucks or something, you know, and then it mints as an NFT after. That was kind of the idea is like you can find a crowd instead of finding a single person with the amount of these that you're looking for. Yeah, and there's a little bit of gaming involved, right? Because if I want to own more scarcity, I can hit the goal on my own to get it minted uh, with my exactly. with just one yeah. big uh, bid. Basically, like the big a bigger donation basically purchases rarity. Yeah, so I think it's great because it, it gives people the optionality, right? Uh, and so... You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rebrand and the relaunch. Um, you know, I've always been a fan of it and supporter. I think I'm still top 10 in ETH spent on patrons. <laughs> yeah, so, you, are. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've always had a bleeding heart for new technology and also just uh, supporting artists. So the more we can do to get money into the hands of the true artists. And when I say true artists, I mean, like, I, we all know that behind the scenes, some of these projects just go on Fiverr and, and you know, kind of go through the whole process yeah, basically of like, like not war hodls. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the more we can do to kind of even the playing field, I'm all for it. And so I hope you guys just continue to, you know, plug away at it. And I, I truly do believe it's got a huge potential. So whether you need to go raise investment dollars or, or figure out some other way, you know, I do think it does take a little bit more, like, uh, like you said, I don't like using the word chill, but just traditional marketing to get in front of the yeah, right people. It, and that's kind of what we learned is like, we were really going to have to like, you know, I'm, you were around when we released it. We kind of like released it. We had a bunch of people minting NFTs and we were kind of like, Hey, if you want to use Patreon, that's cool. But like, it never really like we we never really like got new blood to it. We only got like our small community of people using it, and like we needed to branch out. And we kind of, you know, we kind of got stuck branching. You know, we kind of got stuck trying to market as we were making more NFT projects. And then I would say probably the biggest thing that like slowed us down recently is when I joined OpenSea. It's just like I've been splitting my time a lot more heavily than I had been like the previous mm -hmm. six months that I had released like four projects. <laughs> you know, like I'll have released a couple projects, but like. You know, I think I think R101 released like five drops, yeah. like in a space of like six months or something. So you're a, mach like you're a machine. Which things were getting done? You've done you've done more projects as an individual from the artist perspective than some people will do in their lifetime in this space. So yeah, that's actually like kind of something that. Well, generally speaking, it's just kind of funny, like how like like even like the I don't think there are ten thousand Matisse paintings. But like, you know, you can create 10,000 works of art, individual unique works of art, just with the, you know, just like the right know-how computer scripts and like the proper tools, you know? It's so interesting, like how the, like that kind of, uh, you know, like like you can make a generative project of 10,000 works and, and like that generative project will contain more original works than say, you know, most artists could make in a lifetime doing it on their own. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you're, you're pretty well, ingrained in this space where do you see nfts being in the next you know one to five years like give me the like your prediction of where where we're going to be at 
You know, that's a good question. I don't really, I, I mean, like, I guess I don't really have a good answer. I think if, like, we're going to head towards a metaverse kind of situation, which I can see, like, I can see kind of playing out a little bit. I, I You know, in that situation, like, or especially, like, augmented reality kind of stuff. I think augmented reality stuff is probably going to become popular. And that's, like, one of the reasons I'm kind of playing with the idea with the with the toilets. And, like, I plan on playing, like, we'll see how the toilets are received because they, you know, they're not a PFP. They're like, like it's an interactive NFT. So like, we'll see how it's received because it's not the everyday normal NFT people are used to. So maybe people don't, aren't, you know, maybe people aren't ready for it or, you know, it's a little too early. We'll, we'll find out. But from there, I'm kind of going to judge whether or not I'm going to continue uh, making, you know, kind of 3D AR NFTs, mostly because I think it's like a lot of fun. And, like they have like more value, use value. I think we're going to see like a lot of, uh, free mints and i was kind of calling for that like you know a couple months ago i was saying like we're gonna see free mints really take off soon and i think that like basically like generally speaking like lots of corporations are going to enter the space and like give utility to it i can see like you know a situation where like loyalty points are rewarded as an nft you know things like that i think we're also going to see soulbound tokens which has been discussed a little bit as nfts as well start showing up so you know i don't really have like a the space is so liquid that I don't really have like a, a great future prediction, like really far down the line. You know, I think that we're like, we are seeing a little bit of diversity in the artwork happening right now. And like, I've been kind of waiting for that a bit, but yeah, I, I don't really have like a great, like, you know, NFTs are going to be like this five years from now. I, I just think like, I, or at least I hope that like, there's still a vibrant, like, you know, kind of renaissance going on of like just content creators making content just because like, you know, it's fun and they can make a little bit extra than they would have selling it like on Instagram or stuff. I hope, I hope that like, I would say my hope is that like corporations don't consolidate the space like they have the normal internet, you know? Yeah. No, no, I think you threw a lot of cool things out there. So, you know, I can see a lot of those things happening. So, uh, you know, that's a tough question for anyone to answer and, and feel like they can actually get a you know a definitive this is where we're going to be but it's always fun to hear hey this one might be i think we're going to see more experimental stuff yeah, for sure yeah this one's might be a little bit spicier but i always love talking to traditional artists that come from like the physical world of art because i know you do paintings and all that stuff and then looking at where we sit now with this huge um rift between the art world and the you know i think for lack of a better word the pure hatred of NFTs from some artists. Like what, what do you see as a way to start to kind of break down some of that uh, um, distrust, anger, or do you think it's always going to be there um, at a, at a pretty high level? going to be quite honest. Like a lot of the people that I know that like threw out reasons for not wanting to do NFTs who I like, you know, kind of were my friends that like do art and I've known them from on the internet for a while. I think that a lot of them, they kind of just that, uh, you know, like, like there's artists out there that I know that are friends that are like, kind of were like me in my twenties where like, you know, they completely dropped anything digital and they only do traditional work now. And I think that like, to some extent, a lot of the uh, hatred towards NFTs is because it's like a threat to the space that they control. Right. Yeah. Like it's a space that they've kind of like worked out a game in and they've, they're like, you know, a lot of artists that I know making like, you know, it's not easy to make a living as an artist. And then all of a sudden, like, you think you have the game, you know, set up and like, you, you, you know what you're doing. And this whole new scene comes along with a bunch of, you know, liquidity involved and, and like, it involves you learning a bunch of new stuff. And I also think that like, there's 
a lot of those artists, you know, are, are kind of like intimidated by the idea that they might need to programmatically create art, which is not an easy thing to learn on its own, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that there is like some of these artists, like, you know, especially the more hardcore traditional ones, they, they couldn't even make an NFT if they wanted to, because they, they don't know how to create the, they don't know how to do program programmatically create like a generative collection and they don't do digital work. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of tools that are now making other artists money that they never learned. And I, and I think like to some extent, like a lot of the negativity is just because like, it's also a threat to the space. It's like a threat to the traditional art space too. Like the people making money, you know, through like selling big paintings. Right. Because like a, a board ape in like a year is, is worth a hundred thousand dollars. That's a threat to people who are trying to sell three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know that's a that's an interesting point because in my head, as the super super novice art collector, I have no issues with someone creating a physical piece and then figuring out a way to turn it digital and then you know turning it into an NFT that's mintable. And I'd be glad. I think it's comparable to a print. Yeah, I'd be glad to own the digital one of one, and they sell the physical one of one. I don't see these things as being like completely far field from each other. They can harmoniously live together, and so you know, even if they still want to create in the physical realm and then high res scan or whatever the case, like to me, it's perplexing the amount of hate but i think you said it right you know when something comes in and is disrupting the status quo there's always going to be people that are going to be you know knocked off their high horse or their their cozy spot at the top and so that makes that makes sense yeah i mean like if you if you look at it from like an economic perspective especially like in the art history right like there's a lot of jobs that relate directly to like uh, traditional art and like the amount of traditional art is available is like the, the, uh, the ability to be employed, right? Like, like you don't need somebody to pick through and like do x-ray scans of a painting to ensure its authenticity when like it's all trustless on-chain data, you know, like they're like, you know, like, or like a lot of people underestimate, like, you know, if you buy an Andy Warhol for like $10 million, you're not just like putting it in your house. Like you're putting it into a storage facility that's environmentally controlled to make sure that the painting doesn't degrade. And like, there's lots of industries related to all these aspects of the traditional art world, which are rendered null and void by the NFT space. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's like, I could totally see it leaving a lot of people out in the cold without a jacket. I, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like people who spent their whole life in the art space, like, you know, all of a sudden being irrelevant, you know? Yeah. You know, it's because like your relevance is directly correlated to like, you know, your, your brand or like your clout or whatever you want to call it, your influence. And like, they're losing influence. Right. Yeah. Now. It's also fascinating to see the pure, uh, anger that the gaming space has towards NFTs too. In my head, you know, you know, I'm going to disclose how big of a nerd I am. You know, I spent a good chunk of my early twenties playing world of Warcraft and, you know, I ran a guild, a top 200 us guild, uh, during classic. So when the game first came out and I think of a world where like my drops were considered non-fungible tokens and the things that dropped were scarce and I owned one of 100 or one of 1000. That to me sounds freaking amazing to say that like I own it outright on the chain in this game, but the amount of hate you see in gaming is just fascinating. So I'm going to guess there's a lot of parallels. I kind of feel the same way. Like, uh, like, because like, let's like, you know, I guess maybe I'll unveil and mention like, you know, like the Diablo marketplace prior to like it being shut yeah. down by Blizzard was very similar. There was probably like a proto NFT marketplace. really. Yeah, I remember selling like a random blue item in Diablo three when it first came out for like one hundred and fifty dollars because it yeah. had and, like, the be, one rare really stat. is like a proto NFT space yeah. because like, you know, it was backed up in the game and stuff. And like, 
and I remember how fun that was. And I think that maybe, maybe the problem is that like, because I, I guess people see it because like, you know, the way that microtransactions have kind of invaded the video game world. Right. Like, I think that maybe like in the time when Diablo had its marketplace and you tried to like, you know, sell those guys, like the, the, that group of people like NFTs, I think that they would have been much more accepting of it because micro, like, like microtransactions hadn't invaded the space. Yeah. And I think that like people's perception is, you know, kind of directly related to like the, the hate of microtransactions because I think most people would assume that an NFT is going to like be a part of microtransacting inside. The oh, for sure. And I think most people just like that. And the, but here's the thing though, right? If we have to live with the evil of microtransactions or traditional tr- transactions using some form of currency, we should at least use a platform that allows it for the end user slash the gamer or the customer to get a slice of that pie. Because right now, it's just Riot or Blizzard or Activision or whoever that gets 100% of the profit as opposed to the people that are actually playing the game and bringing the utility and the value and the supply and demand of it all. Let them get a slice of it, right? And so I I fundamentally believe that NFTs are going to be a a huge part of gaming. It's just fascinating to see how much, you know, pushback there is from gamers and industry. What Yuga's doing is seems to be like, it looks like they're kind of using that model, the World of Warcraft model to create their game and like instituting NFTs within it. Yeah. And I think that's pretty clever. I I do think that like, I don't know, I kind of wonder like, you know, like if you make, you know, like right now the barrier to entry on a video game is super low. You buy the console, you put it in. Yeah, like it, it'll be interesting to see like how they try and make the barrier entry of entry low enough for like the average video game user just to simply use an ETH wallet related mm-hmm. or not even an ETH wallet, whatever the heck, Solana or whatever. Yeah, you know, like. Um, but why not have PlayStation I, I just, just make their own coin and that you know like there's nothing stopping this. Well, I would certainly like you know like in that situation like you know I think that that kind of defeats the purpose because like then it's like they can. You know, like they can roll the blocks back. They control whether or not they can control the marketplaces. And I think, like, if we're going to talk, like, decentralized Web3 within video games, like, that stuff cannot be allowed. But, you know, I think, Cardi, you and I have had these deep conversations on Discord in the past where I'm a firm believer for us to get mass utilization. We do need to take a little bit of the uh, hit on the chin in terms of, like, the traditional diehard. Uh, aspects of blockchain that we all love and you know play a little bit of like okay create a playstation token or an xbox token is it perfect no but does it help create more utilization and optimization and and uh you know onboarding of people i think like there's been times that i've learned to like you know deal with that a little bit more especially like you know working in the industry now like as a employee for the biggest marketplace but at the same time i don't know like i always kind of like you know, like, you know, and like, like philosophical discussions about like, you know, like what actually is like, you know, fraud or like copy minting mm-hmm. or, you know, like all those terms. And I find myself usually on the very, you know, more liberal side of it where like, you know, if, if you make like, cause I think like, you know, like, I guess, you know, not okay bears is a good example. Like, I, I feel like not okay bears was legitimate self-expression and it fell within the realms of what people considered to be a copy mint. But I feel like, you know, there, it was making an actual statement, an original statement. And, and in which case, like, we need to have room for those types of things, you know, like we need to have room for like people to be able to like express themselves in a simple and immediate way. And sometimes like, you know, I feel like, you know, when we start censoring chains or like people create like it blocks those way, those things, yeah. off, you know, yeah. like it block and like, yeah, like to some extent, like, you know, you always have to deal with fraud and things like that. And like, I get that, but I don't think that we should like relinquish 
like our ability to like do as we please on like you know on chain just like just so that like some people don't get scammed you know because i think like even on eth like people get scammed on eth every day but people still use it and people still love it and like uh i kind of prefer that philosophy you know yeah i hear you man i hear you i'm uh i'm uh i'm looking at it from the purely from like a mass adoption perspective how do we optimize the speed of adoption when i say the things that i say so uh, well i think like like yeah when we're talking like the future like uh like I think like something cool like you know speaking of nerddom like I like if Kriparian like had an NFT collection that you got for like you got a Kriparian NFT when you donated ten dollars to a stream I would think that yeah. was super dope yeah <laughs> and I probably would be more likely to do- donate to his stream even though like I tend not to donate to like some of the Twitch people because it's like why am I sending five dollars to a million yeah right right <laughs> you know, for sure kind of, like, I don't know it kind of seems like like I I you know like. I donated to Crip like way back when when he was playing Diablo, maybe. But like nowadays, I'm not sending ten dollars to Crip. Probably has like you know, yeah. magnitudes more money. Like, magnitudes That's more money. That's the dirty little like, secret <laughs> they don't want you to know, right? They don't want yeah, everyone yeah, to feel know, the same right? way as you because then they go broke. Um, hey, well, I want to be mindful of your time. So you know, this is more of like a self reflection question. What like what's your what's your end game in this space of? nfts web3 blockchain whatever you want to call it like do you see yourself being deeply invested in the space you know long term is this a a short term thing or do you feel like it's a at some point you want to be completely out of it like what what's your end game for it i mean like you know i'm just trying to make art really like at the end of the day like my end game is like just trying to make cool content make art and like as long as if you're able to do that in the NFT space, I'll probably be hanging out trying to do some fun stuff. I, I, I'm in it for long term in the sense that, like, you know, I I, uh, I was here kind of near the beginning, like pretty much the beginning. Like, you know, like my accounts are like my Rarible accounts, like in 20, I don't even know, maybe 2018 or whatever the heck it started. Because, like, that was when Andre Kronji had done a, done Yippie. And then all of a sudden he created Rarible shortly after. And, like, I was totally into it. And, like, uh, you know, it's just like it's. I, I guess like I have such a head start. I uh, I probably don't feel like I'm going anywhere anytime soon. And like it, I feel like it's also like um, it's basically like it's basically cryptocurrency all over again. Like when I talk about like a lot of these NFTs and like the space in general, I get the same kind of eye rolls I got when I talked <laughs> to like you know to people about Bitcoin in 2012 and explained about some fictional internet currency that lived on the internet. You know, like magic money, inter- magic internet money. You know, and I get the same kind of eye rolls that I got then when I talk about NFTs now. And I think that like uh, NFTs aren't going anywhere, even like as the market goes down a little bit, like NFT adoption is like, it's like, it's basically the first new financial asset class in like forever. <laughs> so I just, it's too exciting. It's too much fun. And like, there's so much, you know, it's one of those rare times, like where you find a space that like not everything has already been done, you know, like, like the nft space is just full of open road you know like whereas like you try and go into other spaces that have been around for 10 years like everybody's already done everything so i think that like you know that's kind of our hope and like you know at the same time like we kind of want to help proliferate proliferate uh uh you know decentralization and like you know like i i think that like you know even speaking to like what you said about like the future of the nft space i think like what we're actually going to see is like a large fragmentation of the nft space over time uh like we're going to see people like doodles create their own marketplaces and incentivize people to list on those marketplaces with NFTs. And like, we're going to see start, we're going to start seeing that. Like, and I think especially as the market gets bearish, like, you know, like, uh, 
a lot of these a lot of these projects are leaving a lot of money on the table and they're going to realize that they're leaving money on the table like you know paying fees on contracts and things like that where they could be doing it themselves and like big projects like doodles are like the perfect types of projects to be able to just walk off and start their own marketplace and like i think we're going to see i think board i think that board apes probably have a plan to do that because they purchased larva labs and larva labs on the crypto punks marketplace and i think that's the main reason they bought larva labs was to create like to buy their marketplace so that they could create their own and i think that like the second that board apes do, do that and like they splinter off and create like an in-house marketplace where like you can officially buy a board ape i think you know the reaction from the community is we're going to see tons of people do that and and like you know art 101's trying to get ahead of that in its own sense because we created our own in-house mar mar in marketplace using the crypto punks uh contract and like mostly because we see that coming like we see that that's probably a likely outcome in the next couple of years is like we're going to see people splinter off in their own marketplaces and as people do that the aggregators are going to start becoming the main places where people you know do contract interactions um do you have any questions for me because i have one last question that i wrap these things up with no man i you know like i've enjoyed talking with you it's been fun uh you know like uh i hope your your pack enjoys the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah well uh, i'll have to let you know when we officially mint we our 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 team has had a firm stance on no influencers, no shilling, none of that like tag three friends things. We we fundamentally um, have been trying to do it the old good old fashioned organic way in terms of growth. Um, Very nice. So yeah. we've got a. I feel it, it gives me a lot of the same vibes of Art One Hundred and One in terms of a tight knit community that shows up and hangs out and engages. And so you got to let me know so I can mint it, man. Yeah, man, I, I definitely will. And um, you know, if you don't mint it, I might just end up airmailing you one anyway because you know, I gotta sh <laughs> cool. spread the love to the people closest to me in this space. I've known you I, in in terms of my time in NFTs. I've probably known you um, longest from the perspective of like. Um, you know, just having conversations through Discord. So I feel like I've been in your Art 101 Discord since October of last year. Yeah, you were like one of the earliest people in there. Yeah, really, and I still and I still creep. I've just been off. super busy with with the venture fund and with teaching and and trying to support the Deer Pack. But I still I still scroll through and see what's going on. And you know, when when the mint days come, I'll definitely be there to support and and um grab my grab my fair share of mints um and so um <laughs> the last question i want to ask you this is just because you know i think like uh it's always good to hear people's perspectives and it's not really web3 related but maybe it is um if you had a magic wand cardi how do you make the world a better place oh sure all right that's a that's a really hardcore philosophical question I would probably just increase people's empathy. <laughs> it's just like if there was like an empathy meter, I just turned it up on high pretty much more than likely. I love it. Super concise and very impactful. I can't agree with you more. Empathy goes such a long way. And I think uh, in today's society, uh, it's become more of a optional thing just because of how everything's wired you know everything's digital yeah, it's easier to remain disconnected from like the real goings-on or people's real the real consequences of people you know of actions and things like that yeah i agree well i have not really become that great at wrapping these things up but i'm gonna try to do better <laughs> at shouting out the people that um are on the podcast so cardi oh you know what real quick yeah. i would have i would have to say uh 
you know, like, like it's interesting that you're getting into a, a project. I, I know that like you have lots of experience and it's like super awesome to see like, uh, you know, moving in and like trying to do your own thing, which like, you know, like, I, I would encourage like lots more people to do. Uh, Rafi's also doing the same thing. He's been kind of like working on his own, like, uh, or not his own thing. Like basically he's like joined uh, up uh, with like a fairly decently known little crew, uh, and like you know, I think it's like I'm not I'm not supposed to, I, I'm not supposed to say or whatever. I think <laughs> I mean, it's like it's not official like announced yet, so I don't want to spoil his whole situation. But it's been really cool to see uh, Raffy, who is like very much like you, was one of the early uh, people in our chats, like you know, kind of going off and trying to you know take a stab at like doing their own collection, mostly because it's just like it's a fun learning experience. And you're like, uh, I don't know if you know this, like, uh, did you know that like um, I know that you were like an original suit mentor. Uh, did you know the Acrocalypse guys? Like, that's how they got into NFTs was minting the suits? I didn't know that, but that's pretty no, cool. I, yeah, I, I had to, like, deal with them for, like, or not deal with them, but, like, you know, like, they had some requests uh, for OpenSea, and, like, I got to talking to them, like, over Discord a little bit while I was helping them out. And, uh, yeah, they were all, like, and they, like, showed me, like, yeah, dude, we all, like, we, like you know, uh, Sam and, uh, you know, uh, both of them, they, they, they both, like, they were, like, yeah, dude, that was, like, our first NFT that we minted was the suit. Like, we, we caught it online, and, like, we just went and grabbed it, and it, like, skyrocketed, and we were, like, we should try this. Yeah. And I was, like, and it was just so cool to hear, like, how, you know, like, small things like that branch out into, like, the larger community, you know? Non-fungible soups, the gateway drugs to NFTs. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> you know, honestly, though, like, that's, that's such a re- refreshing thing to hear because... I think the most important thing for people that are in this space right now, if they actually care about it being sustainable in the future, is to actually find ways to be a gateway or a bridge into the space for people that aren't in it already. And the easiest way to do that is obviously going to be a free mint that people can afford to do. Now, the the, the cost of Ethereum gas is, you know, a little bit of a gatekeeper there, but, you know regardless of that the fact that you don't have to pay an actual price to get the 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 nft like how how many other people are there out there that you probably don't even know about that experience that same thing from whether it was soups or mondrian or bauhaus that was kind of their gateway in i mean your community was probably my biggest deep dive into the web3 space that's where i spent the majority of my time before i you know switch focuses to the deer pack and so um, it, it's super cool to hear about that. It's super ki- cool to hear about Rafi. He's a ultra talented guy. So I have no, yeah, con- really I is. have no uh, doubt in my mind that whatever project he's on, when as long he talks as he gives me a allow list spot, I'm rooting for him. But yeah. if he doesn't give me an allow list, I'll be like, what? The yeah. I, you know, I, I would hope I've got a little bit of that kind of a sway too with him, but we'll see. Right. I don't, I don't need to be yeah. on some, uh, uh, you know, shill uh, NFT thread about how I got in unfairly. So, but maybe that's the reason why not to do it. But in any case, like yeah. it's super cool to hear that and all that stuff. So uh, I do want to end it by giving you a chance to shout out, your Twitter, your Discord, or whatever else you think is relevant. So I want to give you a chance to just kind of throw some things out there. I mean, my Twitter is, uh, you know, I just tweet stuff that I meant mostly. Uh, you know, and if I saw it, I believe the tweet. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, so at Cardi is me is the Twitter. Uh, spelled just like my name, but it's me. And then, uh, you know, website is art101.io and uh, art101 uh, Twitter is art 101 nft at art 101 nft and like you know we have our discord you can join it from the twitter and like uh you know if you just like keep up to date like you know like kind of like you know badger talking about is like uh you know just like go check out like you know every once in a while see if we have some new coming like you know we do free mints probably 
I'd say at this moment, like, you know, with my extra work at OpenSea and stuff, maybe, you know, making me, my time a little less free, probably like once every three months, we're trying to do a free mint. Uh, like, I think the next one should probably be a little bit closer. I'm hoping to do some 3D soups, man. Like, just like the toilet, but like 3D soups instead. So, yeah, like, yeah, we, like, if just like, like, you know, base metallic and stuff, if we come up with an idea we think is fun, we just do it and we mint it out for free, you know? So, like, there's always new stuff, and, like, we always have ideas. So it's yeah. just, like, worth keeping an eye on our Discord and checking out our Twitter every once in a while and seeing, like, hey, maybe these guys got a free mint going. Every once in a while, they're worth some good money, and every once in a while, they're not worth much. So but at a minimum, <laughs> they look great in your wallet, and you know that the artist that made it didn't go yeah. to Fiverr to get it outsourced. So Yeah, I uh, these things take, like, uh, I you know, I, I, I like, I've had quite a few people, uh, like when we were talking about artists and stuff, like the people that have had like a positive response, like, oh yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about creating an NFT. And then like I explained to him like all the work It's like, well, you know, like if you want to do it, like not crappy and like actually like want to put real effort into it and like not hire somebody on Fiverr and have somebody else do all the work, like this stuff takes like, I don't know, like I'm probably like, you know, two or 300 hours into these uh, toilets. Soups took like hundreds, of, you know, probably like 200 hours. They yeah. take a lot of work, <laughs> way more, and like a lot of like, uh, like in you know, indifference to like yeah. kind of the way that like you create art. They take a lot of like pragmatic or practical thinking of like how it's going to play out when you start generating. It's it's a really fun like logic equation. It's like it's it's really enjoyable, but not enjoyable to everyone who makes art. You know, peachy is a perfectionist and she hand draws all of her art on her iPad. Um, and so she has just been painstakingly creating all the different traits and all the different fonts and all that stuff. And, you know, obviously I knew how hard you worked on it. And so I've, I wasn't like ignorant to it, but you know, shout out to all the artists out there that um, are truly uh, passionate about their craft and trying to create really great art. It's not just a random, like simple, they spend two weeks and then click submit and then generate 10,000 or whatever it is. It's no man, it's, not only that, but like, you know, making the art is just the beginning. Really. Right. Right. So <laughs> like making the art actually is really just the beginning. You got to start creating metadata. You got to create websites <laughs> yeah. to connect to the, connect to the contract. You got to launch contracts. You got to, it's, it's, uh, especially when you're getting into like random stuff, like, you know, like the zine was a good example. Of oh, a, that one's cool. Kind of a more I love experimental that one. one. And like, uh, like the soups, I mean, not the, soups, the toilet is going to be kind of similar. Is like not only do we have to like create the NFT, we have to create like image previews for the NFT because since they're interactive, like the preview needs a different image. So like I'm gonna have to render all the toilets. It's just like lots of uh, administrative kind of stuff starts getting involved. It's, it's it's interesting. Well, hey man, I love it. Keep pushing the boundaries on what's possible in NFTs. I think you all are gonna be a a big part of the history of the of this space right because it's still early and we're still trying to figure out who the real players are in the space and who are just the kind of like drifters coming through and trying to get their quick quick turn of a dime so you know um i'm, I'm super grateful that i know you in this space you're ultra talented as an artist but also just as you know just a general all-around uh blockchain guy so um, i'm excited for this to get released later um, and I think people that are going to hear it are going to enjoy it. And hopefully you get a few more eyeballs on your, on your work and on your projects. And, and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll just continue to see what cool art drops you guys do. And don't worry, I'll be the first to promote it when, uh, when they come out on my Twitter and where else. So, um, <laughs> Thanks, man. yeah, man, you know, I've, I've, I, I, I know that I joke about this, but I don't know you personally, like in the physical form, but 
uh, I know you pretty well just from the Web3 world, from the metaverse. So, uh, you know, I'm super glad that you said yes to this. So for everyone listening, for all of our podcast podcast listeners, uh, we just got to enjoy some conversation with Cardi Sewell. And he is um, part of the OpenSea team. But more importantly, he's an artist that's working on a lot of cool stuff. So check out Art 101. Check out Patreon which will be rebranded to Good Mint. And uh, just keep an eye out. They're doing some cool stuff. And I think if you're serious about Web3, uh, it's a good, good person and a good group of people to keep an eye on. Watch out for the farms.